Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolutionary.org Hardcore Podcast coming your way. Episode 180, Brad Pitt. Today we're going to talk about Brad Pitt. Steve Schmee here, the mobster joining me. What's up, buddy? How you doing? It's windy. It's horrible. But we work hard. We, we play hard. And we podcast hard. Let's do it. Yeah. So we're, today we're doing Brad Pitt. We're going to talk about all his interesting Things about his life, his successes, his steroids that he used. A lot of people want to know what Brad Pitt used in some of his movies, especially Fight Club, of course. And we're going to get into that. Um, so the next few we're going to be doing, guys, is going to be celebrities now. We did a lot of bodybuilders. Now we're going to start to get into celebrities because celebrities, as much as people may not understand, they're as much using PEDs as pro bodybuilders because they have to look really good for these movies. So they're doing it. They're working. They're busting their ass to work out. The difference is they bust their ass to work out because they want to look good in that movie. They want to re- re- look really good on the screen. There's nothing worse than watching a film of yourself or a movie of yourself and seeing yourself on this film and be like, man, I wish I had gotten my body better. And that's what they want to avoid. I'll jump in here, Steve. We've had this question come up on the forum, guys, and you go, how does this person get in shape for a movie? And what's the motivation? Right, motivation, number one, is if it's a hit movie, it's going to be seen by, what, Steve, 60, 80, 100 million people across the world? Never mind what's going to be seen on video and DVD and, and, you know, on on Netflix or whatever. So arguably, if I'm going to take my shirt off or Steve's going to take his shirt off for a movie, we want to be in shape because arguably this movie could be around forever. It could be in the museums in America, in the National Museum. There's got film archives in the States for some of the top 100 movies of all time. Shirt off forever. Number two, if you're a top, top movie man, if you're if you're an Arnold, if you're a, a, a Bruce Willis, if that kind of action hero... They're paying you 15, 20, 25 million dollars. Trust me, even a million dollars or five million dollars, like some of these people that we're talking about, 15, 20 million dollars for a couple of the movies that they've done. That is huge motivator. Looking good on film forever and a great big lump of cash. It's one of those things. And I turned around and said, train like a movie star. Imagine you've got a train at that's silly time o'clock in the morning because there's five or 10 or 15 million dollars on the line and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands or millions of people are going to see you. That is the biggest motivator you need, Steve. So let's talk about Brad Pitt. Um, obviously, you guys probably heard of him, but if not, you should. Uh, award-winning American actor and producer. Only one of two actors, Mobster, to have Oscar wins for both Best Picture and Best Supporting Actor. And he's played various roles as the good guy or tough guy in movies. So he's had to get extremely ripped for his roles. He's played, you know, the big, you know, the, the hero, you know, in the movie. So that's how he kind of earned his credit, especially early, early in his career, which we'll get into. He's considered one of the most powerful men in American cinema. Yeah. So <clears throat> early life about him, you may not know this, he was born in a small town in central Oklahoma called Shawnee. December 18, 1963. He grew up, though, in mostly, um, you know, small town Missouri. Even though he was raised by a very conservative Christian parents, he did not adhere to that belief. Although as an adult, he is very spiritual. In college, he majored in journalism, but his first love was movies. His movie heroes, heroes growing up, Mickey Rourke, Gary Oldman, and Sean Penn. Great stars. He moved to California to pursue acting and worked odd jobs to make it until getting his first break. So that's what I like about him right off the bat. His, you know, his daddy wasn't a movie star. His mommy wasn't a movie star. You know, he didn't come from a, 
a family of them. He had to basically work his way up. He moved to California, took a big gamble and, you know, worked. That's what these actors do who do that. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that. They move out to California. They have to be waiters. They have to do something to pay their bills. And then in the meantime, they're going and auditioning for roles. They're having to hire someone to help them an agent to help them find roles and sign contracts and they're doing commercials and they're doing little things here and there, which really don't pay anything. And then they're trying to hope that they can get the big break. So most people who work in the entertainment industry in California don't make Jack, you know, but the top movie stars like Brad Pitt and the other guys that we're going to talk about, they're the ones who get paid the, the big bucks, but you know, to get to that level, you really have to have a lot go, go your way. So, Mobster, yeah, chime in on that. So, most of the movies that we're going to focus on, the three specific movies we're going to focus on here are, of course, because he's had his shirt off and he's had to get in shape. But, Steve, there's zero argument, in my opinion, for him not to be considered as an actor. And I'm emphasizing that word deliberately because in certain... I mean, Arnold's a good example again, right? Arnold doesn't do proper drama. It, it, close, very, very close a couple of times, and it's a real stretch for him to get into that kind of thing. So he's an action hero, right? Has played action heroes, but he's also played, I mean, one that sticks in my mind, Steve, I don't know if you've seen it, it's 12 Monkeys, and essentially he plays a nutter. Uh, he's in a mental institution, he plays a psycho. Uh, and and he's, he's borderline frothing at the mouth. His eyes are all over the place, his hair's kind of, his zany isn't a bit, isn't a word. And that is a classic in and of itself. It's not funny enough, it's a Bruce Willis film. And even Bruce is not playing an action hero in that film. If you've not seen it, guys, check it out. But the movies that we're focusing on are the action hero, muscular, show-off kind of movies. And obviously, for that particular reason, for getting into shape, there's, there's a focus. But he is a proper actor. And arguably, again, Steve, what you just described is, in a way, it's like an apprenticeship. He didn't fall into certain particular roles. He's taken crap roles small parts with no name mentioned just like borderline something beyond an extra that was the only thing that he was getting he was getting stuff that he he wasn't an extra he had words but he was he was literally the man over there talking you know that kind of role so you get a few extra bucks and very slowly it, it, the, the one of the things that happens with people when they go to hollywood and they got this idea that they're going to be in a movie is it's kind of like a standing joke that they they wait tables uh, and arguably, this is kind of like his his approach. He's come from that background. He's gone to where the movies are. He's worked for a living. He's earned a wage, and he's taken any, anything and everything that was there, and then slowly got noticed. Slowly improved. You got I, I can't think of all the, the names of the movies. He's got the one where he goes. He starts out as an old man and gets younger. There are a bunch of movies where he's acting acting so he's not just an action hero and he's these are the reasons why he's got those two oscars these are the reasons why he's become as powerful as he is because he understands he's done he's got his been down and dirty in in the never no one know who the hell you are and eventually worked his way up to the point where i believe he's been involved in directing and producing and stuff himself but we're not dealing with that guys we're focusing on how did he get into shape back to you steve yeah, so let's, let's uh, talk a little bit before we start getting into the really hardcore stuff. Let's talk about how he moved his way up. Um, he started early in his career in his early mid-20s doing uncredited work for films, also playing small role in a soap opera called Another World. He also had guest appearances in sitcoms that year. So he was a young hunk, and he got a lot of little, little gigs in these different shows. Over the next few years, he played many different roles in shows and films, which are mostly centered around a tough boy hunk type of role. So this changed in 92. And that he starred in A River Runs Through It, which is directed by Robert Redford. And he was lauded for an incredible performance working with a very well-known cast. So next breakthrough role came alongside Tom Cruise in interviewing the Vampire to Vampire Chronicles. And then he started as a hero in The Legends of the Fall, where he earned a Globe and Golden Globe nomination. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, from there he was, he worked his way up really quick. So 1999, he got his huge break. He got the main role in, in Fight Club and that had a massive budget over $60 million. So the movie was actually not hugely acclaimed at the time. It was considered good to mediocre by critics, but it was loved Steve. by many audiences. Steve. Yeah, yeah. 
See, you broke the rule. You don't mention Fight Club. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's his first rule of Fight <laughs> the Club. First no rule. The first rule. Yeah. So, I mean, that's <laughs> so what Mobster is talking about is exactly what Fight, Fight Club has become, which is a cult classic. And uh, yes. over the years, critics have gone back. It's kind of like Scarface. Same thing that happened in Scarface. Originally, critics walked out of Scarface. They're like, this is too much violence. They're chainsawing a guy's leg off. This is ridiculous. But now over time, you know, critics have gone back. They've, you know, cooled down a little bit. And they go back and actually watch the movie. And they said, you know what? This is actually, this kind of movie changed things. It changed cultures. It changed cities. It changed the topic that it's on. And that's what it did. Fight Club changed a lot of things and change a lot of people's opinions over the years. So it's become a cult classic. That's how they become. Yeah, mobster. Yeah. Very, very quickly, stay side up. There's a big argument in terms of the, the intellectual uh, impact, uh, why it's become a cult classic. So the part of the reason that the, the idea behind Fight Club is essentially what we call toxic masculinity now, where guys can't be guys, and especially seems to apply to the States. So they're obviously, as per bloody usual, we copy the States here in the UK. So you have this whole thing where you're not allowed to be a, a man in the traditional sense as it used to be, you know, not swearing, you can't be like this with women, and so on and so forth. So the idea behind Fight Club at, 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 on one level is this idea that the guys get together and essentially have an organised punch-up between each other, like white-collar boxing, um, in private, and they can be as toxic as they like. They can drink, they can swear, and they can fight. And it's kind of kind of weird. So it was kind of a statement for the time with the shift in emphasis beyond what men used to be like to what men have become. And arguably, you could even go so far as the reason it's become a cult is because we might have actually swung too far on the far in the other direction. And there, there might come a time when we kind of get back to that balance, you know, men and women being equal, fine. Women above and beyond too much because what's the difference between women being above and beyond if men were above and beyond and so on and so forth so it's it, that's the reason why it gets looked at that's the reason why people go back was well, not the only reason but it's one of the reasons why people go back and watch the movie and that's the reason why it's like a lot of movies i've I, I just brought some stuff to do with 2001 a space odyssey and it's one of those movies where film buffs like to say what made it popular what what what, what was it about this movie it's not just brad pitt with a shirt off what was it about there's a bunch of guys in there that are completely misshapen and kind of, I'll be crude, say fucked up and whatever, uh, you know, not sure of their role in life and so on and so forth, but they go to Fight Club because they know their role, you know what's going on. And that's what made it a great movie. And and that's the reason, again, why, as Steve says, he become one of those movies, what he become known, known for and ended up becoming a cult classic, Steve. Yeah, but at the end of the day, Mobster, it wasn't a quality movie. So let's not, oh, no, no. yeah, let's no, not no, no, like no. say it, it got panned at the time for that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. not, yeah, that's not why I got paid. It got panned because it wasn't a great movie. So we're going to no, get no. into some of his great movies shortly, but it is a cult classic. And the reason, the reason a lot of people that watch the movie that I know over the years has been women. Women watch the movie. Women love Brad Pitt. He's hot, you know, he's one of the hottest guys in Hollywood, especially at the time. So his shirtless fight scenes and personality in the video in the movie were endeared by both men and women over the years. So there's been many young people coming on the forums wanting to know Mobster. They want to know yeah. what did Brad Pitt use in Fight Club? What was his workouts during Fight Club? What was his diet during Fight Club? They want to know how he got that body. And what's interesting about it is his body wasn't like a pro bodybuilder body it's kind of weird that we're going from doing these pro bodybuilders to these but that's the body that most people want oh yeah that's the yeah, body yeah. most females who are into guys want their guy to have they don't want their guy to have big rami type of body where there are big huge muscles and veins popping out they find that disgusting so that's kind of the interesting thing about what you were talking about mobster and that's just that's just where it is i mean that's just not yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's it, definitely it, so it sells Steve. it yep. sells yeah you don't get to do these movies and get sponsorship and get political ambitions and all the rest of that kind of stuff on the basis of again looking like arnold is, is or lou or whatever else so but let's get into yeah. yeah so let's kind of get into another movie he did too and this is was troy and troy was 
was was a poor movie. It wasn't it wasn't uh, critically acclaimed. Even among people, it wasn't that great a movie, but it still made a lot of money. It was a big blockbuster hit, very, very expensive, but it was poorly made. I mean, you take a movie, uh, a war movies over the years that were really uh, well-made war movies compared to, to Troy, you know, it just, it wasn't really compared, but you got to see Brad Pitt again fighting. He got, you got to see him with his armor, with his, you know, with his, a lot of skin, so for that movie, Mobster, six months he had to train. Six months. <laughs> and it made $500 million at the box office. And it made Pitt well-known worldwide. So Troy was a big hit across the world. Why Fight Club was more of a cult classic within the Western world, as you, as you talked about. So, yeah, his physiques in both movies were definitely excellent. He had to work his ass off. So we'll kind of get into that shortly. Yeah, chime in on that one, yeah. I'm just going to say, Troy, my claim to fame, and it's, it's a slightly indirect claim to fame, is that one of my buddies that we used to train with in uh, Gloucester, part of our crew then, was in the movie. He's a TV and film stuntman. He's actually puts together stuff, and he's a stunt coordinator called Nick McKinless. And I believe the scene in the film where Brad Pitt's character throws a spear or javelin or whatever else, and he, and, he, and he pierces some fella on a horse, and also the one on the temple steps, in one of these uh, battle scenes on the beach. I think both those times that was Nick McKinless. So I know Nick and Nick was in that movie. And as Steve said, it was one of those things where it's hard. A well-filmed Greek epic based on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a legend or a story or whatever else. It's like the Hercules movies. They're great fun to watch, but they're not, they're never ever going to be uh, classics of that genre. It's not going to be you know, gone with the wind. It's, it doesn't have the right kind of lines. And there are there's bits and pieces in the movie that it's it's a fun watch, Steve, but it's never going to be a top hundred movie. Never, ever, ever. On the other hand, five hundred million dollars is a lump of cash at the, at the box office. And I think me and you would put you know chew off an arm to be in a movie like that and and and, and train and work alongside Brad Pitt and that kind of stuff. I mean, I love three hundred, uh, which is Gerard Butler, I believe. And again, that one's based on a comic, uh, but it's an epic movie only because it's different, it's unusual and so on and so forth. But again, 300 will never be a top 100 movie. It's just impossible. So these are fun things to watch. They make money at the box office, but are they going to be the kind of thing that you might get? You'll probably get more chance of getting an Oscar for the scenery and the costumes than you would for the acting or the story or you know, the screenwriting or whatever, that kind of thing. It just is what it is. So, I mean, look, at the end of the day, Brad Pitt, he can appeal to both sexes. Females love yeah, yeah. his, his rug look. It's a sex symbol. Routinely ranked as the sexiest man alive. People magazine had him the sexiest man in 1995 and in 2000. So to get two sexiest men on People magazine within five years, that's hard to do. So, you know, he's good looking. Um, He's also ranked in the top 10 in Forbes most powerful men. I mentioned earlier, he's considered one of the yep. most powerful men in Hollywood, especially since he's producing now as well. So he's yes. really, he can make or break you at this point. That's how, that's what they mean by powerful. So if he, if you're, if he likes you, he can make you a star. If he doesn't like you, you can be ignored. So get on his good side. That's one of the guys you want to get on his good side. He commands monster up to 20 million per movie nice. role. 20 million. Nice. Love that catch. Give me that money. It makes him <laughs> one of the top paid actors yeah. in the world. Overall, his estimated net worth is 300 million. And that's from acting, producing, and, 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 and everything. So let's talk about his good movies, his critically acclaimed roles. Because this is what I what I look for. I like good movies. And guys at the guys and gals out there, listen. When you go see these shitty movies, you're only making the problem worse. Everyone complains about bad music <laughs> and they complain about bad movies. Well, stop seeing them and stop listening to them. That's why sure. music is so bad nowadays is because people keep listening to bad music. So the radio stations keep playing them and they're, you know, whatever. So the movie is the same way. Don't see them. If it's not a good movie, don't see them. I like to go to Rotten Tomatoes, which is, which kind of takes the, the you know which which um gives them a score critical score yeah. and a viewer score i always look at the critical score i don't care what the viewers think the viewers don't know a good movie from their ass 
I always look at what the critics say. I looked at the movies that get nominated for Oscars. Those are the movies that I watch because I don't want to waste two hours of my life watching a shitty movie. So his critically acclaimed roles, he's got, he's got some good ones. He's got one Oscar win. He finally got an Oscar win. It took him a long time for, for best supporting actor. And he got it because he was smart enough to, to work with Quentin Tarantino, who's always, his movies are always quality. His worst movie is still a, a best picture nominee, Quentin Tarantino. So those of you who don't know, if you haven't seen Quentin Tarantino's movies and you like movies, go see his movies, okay? Pulp Fiction, you you have so many over the years that he's done. Inglorious Bastards, another great one yeah. that Brad Pitt was in, by the way, but Brad Pitt didn't get a nomination for that. Um, it was it was a great movie. A Mobster and Glorious Bastards, for you, you would love it because it takes place in Europe uh, during World War yeah. II, and there's a lot of British actors in it. And um, so another one, so Quentin Tarantino was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He played a tough guy movie stuntman in that movie. Yeah. Now, now, I didn't think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was, was Quentin Tarantino's best movie. I thought um, Reservoir Dogs was better. I thought Pulp Fiction was better. I oh, thought even Jackie Brown may, may have been better. But Once Upon a Time is still a really, really good movie. I enjoyed it. And, um, and it was really a fun movie. So if you're into fun movies, go, go check that one out. The Oscar win he has for Best Picture was 12 Years a Slave, which actually did win Best, which, yeah, which won Best Picture. He he produced it. Um, he produced that movie. Excellent movie as well. I don't know if you've seen that one, Mobster. But it was actually, yeah, it was more of a, a low budget, low budget, lower budget movie. And it got, it got best picture. So it wasn't like a movie that a lot of people saw. His other Oscar nominations, Mobster, you mentioned it earlier, 12 Monkeys. He got yes. nominated for that one, which was, which was a big out of nowhere nomination. Because 12 Monkeys, uh, when 12 Monkeys came out, no one really... Um, you know, pay much attention to it, although it did have Bruce Willis in it. It was a, it was a pretty cool movie, and it did get critically acclaimed. Uh, you mentioned this one as well, Curious, curious Case of uh, Benjamin Button, where he goes, he ages in reverse, and then Moneyball is another one, and then The Big Short. So those were his four other uh, Oscar nominations. So, so yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely proven to be a great actor. Some of the guys that we're going to do, uh, we're going to end up doing – uh, the Rock, for example, coming up. The Rock has never gotten any type of Oscar, you know, notoriety at all. He's never going to get an Oscar, man. He's never going to get he, an Oscar. He, he'll it, get a bunch. He, maybe he'll, he'll he get might. A I won't say never, but he I'll might. Tell you, I'll tell you what happened. I think with The Rock, I, first off, I don't think he cares. And secondly, I think it's one of his things. He'll get uh, so many other awards, humanitarian, the stuff that he does, businessman, things like that. There's things that he goes into. I don't think he expects to win an Oscar ever for any of his movies, any of the roles that he plays. But I do think he's, you know, he's one, uh, when we do the podcast, one of the lines that comes, that applies to Rock is, he's the hardest working man in the room. That is 100% a Rock. So we'll, we'll deal with that when we do his podcast. But he's going to be in big money movies. He's making a lot of cash. He works really hard on the movies. He looks after the people on the set. So it's probably one of the most popular actors in Hollywood just for being the Rock just for being the kind of person that he is with the people that he works with. But uh, so Brad, I think, as I said, as an actor, I mean, the couple of movies we mentioned, guys, you need to check these ones out. Just to, like Steve, there are a million bad movies. The amount of stuff I've watched for five minutes that looks like it's made for TV, Brad Pitt's not doing those kind of movies. It's certainly not the last 15, 20 years. And there's stuff out there where you go, uh, you know, he's got his shirt off and he's showing you his abs and you're kind of like, it's a bit cheesy. Like we said already, those kind of movies, and then they've ended up becoming classics, or you know, or they've made good money. And then there's other movies like the one I mentioned earlier on Twelve Monkeys. Steve just mentioned again for Oscar nomination, is completely off the wall, completely zany, and it's like it's, it shows you his diversity. It shows you that he could do these other things. Of course, what we're going to talk about today, which I'll address now, is ability to get into shape. Certainly, a few years ago, he's, he's in his, I'm going to say what late forties now, Steve. He was at his peak physically when he was getting in shape for these movies. And here's the thing. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes guys use makeup. Sometimes people even use prosthetics, certain Superman-type movies, Marvel-type movies or whatever else where, you know, the suit's padded, that kind of stuff. 
No. We're talking about a fella that's put the graft in and what you see, allowing for a little bit of movie magic with a light and a wet of us, is what you're getting. We're not talking about CGI here. We're talking about someone that's put the work in to look in shape. So that for us isn't just trying to, for us when we do this podcast, trying to appeal to a, to a certain uh, part of uh, our audience. This is saying this is how this person got into shape, what they did, and that they put the work in. That's, the PEDs is part of it. Being a movie star is a part of it. Egos are part of it. But you've got to put the work in. And here's the thing. So I'll, I'll jump right in here, Steve, with regards to the workouts. So and I, I think this applies to all of the movie roles, all the movie stars that we're going to talk about in any of the series here, Steve. I mentioned it already. A million bucks is a huge motivation. That's number one. If I say to you, and don't forget, you're not always necessarily getting paid up front. Sometimes you're just taking a percentage of what the movie makes. So, for example, you might get $10 million to get in the shape and be ready for the movie. But you might take 15 or $20 million of the gross. That's another motivation. That's like a hell of a bonus right there. And so some of these guys are training, a God, oh, my God, what time is it now o'clock in the morning? That's number one. Number two, yes, they will employ a coach. So they will have someone who working, for example, and I mentioned it earlier on, Nick McKinnis has done this with some of the people, where you got the guys, the stuntmen need to be in shape. So they've trained with the stuntmen. Uh, 300ers, when that movie came out, they all went back as a group and they all trained together because they were going to fight as it together. So that kind of vibe again. So with regards to Brad Pitt, you're talking about one body part a day. Typically, that would be four to five days a week, Steve. And the other two to three days a week was cardio. Sets, reps, etc. Three exercises per workout. As Steve says in the article, some of those are body weight, some of those are weights. And typically the rep range was three to 15. Now for some of his movies, and I kind of sort of said this half joking, uh, Fight Club and Snatch, for example, where he's got his shirt off. And in fact, Steve's quite correct earlier on. The screenshot from either of those movies always seems to be Brad Pitt with his shirt off. You occasionally see some other photograph to illustrate the movie, but most of the time the screenshot is Brad Pitt with his shirt off. And both those movies, he kept his trousers on. So there's a joke kind of saying that he didn't train legs. He probably did something. It just wasn't necessary for the role. And even in Troy, he was wearing a skirt. He's wearing some sort of, you know, Greek outfit or whatever else that covered him down to the knees. Uh, he's wearing... A calf protectors, shin protectors, etc. in the fight scenes and so on and so forth. So you're not talking about an over-muscular leg, a bit of tan, bit of oil, but the, the core section, the abs are on point, the delts are capped. He's got tight-looking toned arms, and it's one of those things that we, we'll probably mention in the other movies as well, the movie stars, Steve. The, the, the angles, the makeup, but also being on camera. Being on camera can mean that there might be some oil sprayed on. It's a bit like a bodybuilding competition. In that regard, you need to look good on stage under the lights, and that requires a tan, that requires a glaze, that requires your hair to be tidy and so on. The movies, things are the same again. There's going to be hot lights. There's going to be 100 people on set. You need to look good in the lens. And that don't, again, you're going to be blown up on a screen that might be 40, 50, 60 feet across the cinema. Uh, it might be on a big screen, 55-inch, 60-inch TV screen, project, projector, whatever, in a person's house. So you have to look a particular certain way. And yeah, camera angles, makeup, lighting, et cetera, is part of that. Uh, but as I mean, we're going to mention this in another one. There's a little tricks that you can do, which I'll mention specifically for Hugh Jackman when we do Hugh Jackman, that they can do to look in shape. Some of the guys are training at four o'clock in the morning. Yes, they're eating meal prep. When people ask about the diets, it's nearly always high protein. Um, so those things are on point again. And yes, they're in a position that they can afford to spend $10,000 on a coach, $10,000 on meal prep and whatever else. But it's not easy. A lot of this stuff is prep for the movie, like Steve says, getting into shape for six months. But equally, you have to stay in shape. And that's while you're on set, 12, 14, sometimes in the American movies, 16 hours a day. If the light is good, you work. If the camera is ready, you work. And you have to look good the whole damn time. It's again, it's not like a bodybuilding competition where you need to look good for one day with the Olympia, two days, but most of the time, an afternoon and an evening. No, for weeks, Steve, certainly shirt off scenes, the least would be a day, but typically because of cameras and angles and fight scenes and whatever else, 
four, five, six days just for that stuff, just for the movie star to look good. And he needs to look good every single time. As soon as the camera's rolling, he needs to look good. So it it's not easy. It really isn't easy. And like Steve said, uh, I mentioned here, Troy again. You, you mentioned this, Steve. Six months training, and that includes learning to use a sword, paid for that particular movie $17.5 million. And you asked the question, which is what I'm getting at. Wouldn't you train for six months straight for six, six to seven days a week for three hours a day if I was going to drop $17.5 million into your lap? 100%. I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I'd be doing something. I'd be sore fighting right nasty. You would. If, what, if you and I were going to be in a movie of this type, you and I would be grafted right fucking now. And that's the attitude maps, you guys. Sometimes this is a thing. Imagine I'm paying you that kind of money, and that's how you need to train in the gym. Back to you, Steve. It's like uh, putting a carrot in front of someone and having them follow oh, you. Man. That's that's what it Golden is. Golden sure. Golden carrot. So let's talk about his diet, and then we're going to get into his steroid use. Um, so he's a naturally in guy already. Uh, if you go back and look at his pictures when he was a teenager, he was a lean guy. So to shred up and still have some muscle mass on your, he's got to have a strict diet. He's got to. So lean chicken, I, well, you know, what I, what I was able to find online about his diet that, that's been kind of leaked and, and talked about lean chicken and fish, eggs, good carbs, like brown rice and oatmeal, vegetables and fruit. He also did a lot of time restricted eating, intermittent fasting, where he would fast a long period of time, then work out, then eat a healthy meal after. So when you do that, this allows your body to be forced to utilize excess fat storage for energy. So guys, it's not about calories in, calories out. You have to remember your calories out changes based on what you do. So yes, calories in, calories out. If you're getting more calories in than calories out, you'll gain weight. If you're getting less, you'll lose weight. That is true. But you're not factoring in that your calories out does change. Even if you calculate your calories in exact, your calories out changes and the way your body partitions foods changes and the way your body attacks fat changes. So when you follow that type of strategy where you're working out first and then you eat your meal, that allows your body to attack those fat stores. So of course, let's say you're losing weight. You want that weight that you lose to be fat. You don't want the weight you lose to be muscle, right? So by utilizing that fat, when you're in a fasted state, your body has to use that fat for energy. So that's the strategy that he followed. And it's, 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 not, it's not brand new. Anyone from pro bodybuilders who are 300 pounds to you know, skinny guys who are 150 pounds trying to get leaner will use this strategy, fasted cardio, fasted workouts. And that's, that's the way you should be training, guys. Always try to train fast as much as you can. You can't go wrong losing fat. Unless you want to get fat, you can't go along with fat. Mobster, chime in on that a little bit. Yeah. We'll jump in here, both for the training and for the nutrition, Steve. The issue with maybe The Rock being the exception to the rule is that most of these movie stars are essentially training this particular way for a relatively short period of time. I mean, when we're talking about six months for Troy, you go, what, out of his whole life? Uh, if we talked about the other movies where he's had the shirt off, really, the whole thing, all those movies together probably amounts to a year of training. Now, whether he's training the rest of the time, no, no. If he, if he does some sort of exercise, it's not going to be in the level that he needs to be for these movies. And the same thing applies to the diet. So the argument then becomes, Steve, that what he did worked for him to get into shape for that movie, but does he eat like that all the time? Does he train like that all the time? No. And that's the argument. That's probably true of all, with regards to said, the, set, the, the rock. It's probably true of all the other movie stars that we're going to discuss. They'll do something. I mean, Hugh Jackman, talking about training for life because he got into training with weights because of the movies and he enjoys it so much he thinks he's going to hit the gym forever which is great that's that which is what applies to the rest of us so we can learn something from these things we can train like a movie star we can be motivated like a movie star we can imagine that we're being paid to eat and train and train at four o'clock in the morning and all that kind of stuff before going on 12 hours on set or whatever but he's not doing these things all the time in fact steve comments afterwards saying that for example he's got a a, a, a note of uh, history of alcohol abuse, which we know happened between uh, the two big relationships in his life. With the, the, <laughs> I'm going to say it for you, Steve. He was married to the two most beautiful women in the world, one after another. I mean, that's pretty bad, fucking juicy right there. But 
in between when he wasn't focusing on a movie, was he wasn't focused on producing, and when he wasn't training his ass off, and kind of coming towards the end of his time with relationships and whatever else, um, alcohol made a thing about. So what we're talking about here, guys, when I say online, in terms of training and PEDs and everything else, consistency is the key. These guys, the ones that we're going to discuss, amazing physiques while they're on screen. But they're not training at four o'clock in the morning, again, with the exception of The Rock. They're not meal prepping. They're not doing all these other things in between movies. You guys, the listeners, we want you to be the kind of train for life. So take some of the information here and apply it to the rest of your life. I want you 10, 20, 30 years in the gym. I want you doing something fitness, eating clean, etc., eating healthily, being aware of your health for all the time, not just for a movie role. Bet you, Steve. So let's get into a steroid use, but let's kind of talk a little bit about some of this personal life. Um, as Mobster mentioned, he did deal with alcohol abuse and he has been able to conquer that. So that's good. He was married yeah. to Jennifer Aniston for five years. Then he was married to Angelina Jolie for five years and he recently divorced her in 2019. Overall, six children, including children he's adopted. Um, and his brother, Do Douglas Pitt, is also very well known as a businessman and philanthropist. In Pitt, he's given back tremendously. Uh, he has his yes. own charitable organization to help people in America and abroad. So he's a fantastic human being. Uh, nothing yeah. but love from him. I don't know anyone out there who thinks Brad Pitt isn't a good guy. Uh, none of these celebrities are we're going to do. I don't think you can say that they're bad people at all. They, they make yeah. good cash. They earned it. They worked hard for it. And they've given yeah. back. So that's very, very important in life to give back. Um, even if you have $5 to your name, giving back in other ways, not just financially, is very, very important. So that's what we got to do. That's being a real man. That's being a real man, giving back to those, those less fortunate. Not everybody has your talents and ability to make a lot of money or succeed in life. Some of us don't have that ability. So we got to help everyone else. Yeah. So chiming on that, we'll get into steroids. Yeah. So basically, Steve and I do this podcast. There are other podcasts that Steve does with Evolutionary. If you the podcast thing that people are doing across the world, it's not always been about the cash. It's not always been about being paid. I know what Steve does off air. I know what I've done off air. I've mentioned some of these things before. I've done stuff because I enjoy it and whatever else. The one, the one of the pleasures, not just being big and strong and occasionally getting paid or whatever. But one of the pleasures is, as Steve quite probably says, is giving back. If you love to train, if you love nutrition and eating clean, if you want to be healthy, and then without sounding too much like a preacher up on your soapbox, banging the drum and telling everybody how awesome it is, if you can share that knowledge and share that love for lifting and nutrition and being healthy, being in shape or whatever else, and you motivate others, whether it's by being paid as a coach or for free, if it's letting someone use your home gym, that kind of stuff, Steve. It's part, again, I know what Steve does off here. So I know that Steve gives back. I know that I've given back. I could probably do more. I've done stuff for free. My local, my local gym let me train there for two, three years for nothing, Steve. And then we'd have a big event up here and they would say, oh, can you come and help us on the event? I said, yeah, sure. And I would go and work on that event with them for two days for nothing. Uh, anything, any, any other organization, any other company, wherever else you're going to pay me. I've opened, I've helped, I've done stuff on the opening night of a gym, the business that I was employed by at the time. And I came in on my day off and I, I helped do a show, me bending steel and all that kind of stuff at that particular gym to help them because they were giving business to the company I was working for. I didn't get paid fuck all. I did that because I, it's a chance to show off and it's a chance to motivate people. And you know, you're going to talk to clients and customers at the same So that, it is a huge buzz, guys. If you are serious about what you do, I mean, it's like, here, look, look, this is simple. We think he's worth $300 million. Damn right he can do stuff for free. Damn right he can be influential. Damn right he can do stuff for charity. And if he's been an arsehole sometimes, if he was a dick when he was drunk, if he was having problems with alcohol, he goes, right, I think it was a bit of a nod then. Uh, screw this. I'm going to come off your hack. I'm going to sort my shit out. And you know what? I'm going to go look at something, maybe an alcoholic charity or something like that. You know, it's one of those things you get a chance to influence or be positive in a particular way. So, for example, guys, you could complain about certain things as your community 
which you can get off your ass and go out and sort out those things in the community. If, there, if there's not enough stuff for kids, as an athlete, as a bodybuilder, whatever else you can put on a show, raise some money for it, and then go give that money to a charity that helps support the children so they can have the same sort of stuff that you've had access to. You can go from, if you're an in-shape bodybuilder that competes, you can do a father and son thing at the local school and you can go over and put on a show there. So yeah, it is a fantastic thing to do, Steve. I've done it multiple times a year. I don't do it as often as I used to, but it's still a buzz. It's still fun. People will come up and ask questions and engage. Macho guys, more sometimes you can fool around with the kids in terms of because they'll just as completely honest and they get involved. And I've done stuff where we would we would like we were rewarding the fittest child and that the one who'd done the most rowing or whatever else in a certain number of time. And you give them a little thing and you get the crowd around. That's positive reinforcement. And again, all that was for free. And it's a great buzz. And of course, you get to brag about it afterwards, which is always good. But yeah, definitely, if you can do these things, guys, do them. Right, let's get into the PD, Steve. His peak stats, 5'11", 172 pounds, ripped 6% body fat. 32-inch waist mobster, 43-inch chest. So that's what you want to see with a physique. You want to see your chest being wider than your waist. We see a lot of the American Americans out there, um, where it's the opposite. Their waist is bigger than their chest. And that's that's not a good physique, right? So we want to always have our waist be thinner than our chest. That's the idea behind it. So always keep a tight waist, definitely, guys. And then build build that chest, build those shoulders. And that's what he, he has for these movie roles. Look, at the end of the day, I talked about it at the beginning of the show. Pitt is no exception. He's got to look good for these movies. Yes. Everyone asks, what did Brad Pitt use in Fight Club? Recent years, what did Brad Pitt use in Troy? Let's speculate, mobster. So I think HGH3 I use a day would be something really good for him to use, especially if he's training that hard. Um, it's going to help you recover. It's going to help you repair. Um, it might even prevent some soft tissue injuries from coming up. So, But if you, you run too, you don't want to run too much of it, though. So we know some of the other celebrities like Sylvester Sloan haven't even been caught taking uh -huh. Across the border. So we know that's what the celebrities like to use. He was, he was caught with taking a bunch across the border. I believe that was in Australia. So we know they like to yes. use HGH, and that makes sense with their training. So they're training their balls off ahead of the uh, movie. And then after the movie, they have to take a break, right? So they have to recover and repair their body. They can't just slam their body year-round. So that's what they do. They, I think the HGH is important. Testosterone propane, 300 milligrams a week. You know, I think that's a good option. Keeps you flexible. Uh, the reason the propanate ester, I think it keeps him more flexible. He can inject it every other day. It's in his system within a week, week and a half at peak levels. It's out of a system after a couple weeks after he stops injecting it. So it gives him a little flexibility where he can stop and start it to kind of give himself what he wants. The next one, I think, Mobster Master on propionate, 600 milligrams a week. Again, the flexibility. Now, why Masteron? If you look at his pictures, you look at him in the, the movies, hard. He's got a hard physique. So I yes. think Masteron is very good for that. It's got low side effects. So it won't interfere too much. It won't interfere much with his training or his sword fighting or any of that stuff. So I think he would have used Masteron for sure in both Fight Club and, and Troy. So a lot of the... Um, the fighting he did in the movies, some of the more intense movements he did, those were stunt people. But on a lot of it, he did it himself. That gives the movie more authenticity. Um, you know, so you know, so a lot of movies, a lot of these actors, and you know, we're going to talk about they do their own stunts unless it's a dangerous stunt. They will try to do as much of their own stunts as possible. And then before you bring you in mobster, I think another one that kind of ties in that is Winstrol, 100 milligrams a day. Winstrol is the big one. And we think for sure in Fight Club, he messed around with Winstrol. I think over the years, guys on the forums who've asked, what did Brad Pitt use? Which is, you can like Google that. What did Brad Pitt use? It's like a zillion threads on what did Brad yeah. Pitt use. Yeah. And at the end of the day, Winstrol is the one that most people speculate he would have used because it's it's a good dryer. It dries you out a lot. It does give you a lot of pumps. So he would have to kind of navigate around those pumps uh, while he was training. And um, I think some of the things that 
and I'm going to actually add it to the cycle would be taurine. I'll have to add that one lobster because taurine yeah, yeah. helps with pumps. Um, it's not going to cure them entirely, but it helps them tremendously. And another thing he would have used too, clenbuterol, which also gives you some crippling pumps as well. But the clenbuterol, a lot of celebrities, especially back in the fight club era, they messed with clenbuterol because at the time it was considered one of the top fat burners for them. I think now a lot of them have gone away from it, but when you run that quinstrol and, and clenbuterol, you're going to have a lot of pumps. So I think taurine being thrown in there daily also helped them. It helped, it helps with the electrolyte balance. It helps with a lot of things. So taurine is a big one. So the couple more that um, I didn't talk about mobster. Why don't you give your thoughts on what I talked about and then give your thoughts on I'll a couple others. Is, there's, there's two thoughts that occur to me. The first one is when the guys are searching for, what did this act to use? And in this case, Brad Pitt, what was what did Brad use for this movie? What did Brad use for that movie? They're kind of being a little bit, they need to be very, very careful. They're kind of thinking drugs is everything. And that is a big, big, big mistake. Again, I'm paying you $20 million. You're going to train at four o'clock in the fucking morning with a coach that you pay $10,000 a month to train you at four o'clock in the morning. And you're going to have meal prep delivered. And if you think that these drugs is the be all and end all. That's the only reason Brad got in the shape because he took test prop. You're mistaken. What the test prop, the master on the windstroll, and 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 the, I'll, I'll let you cover these other drugs, Steve. What is uh, important here, guys, is that he has to put the work in. He has to eat clean. He has to do hours of cardio. He has to fast and intermittent fast, like Steve said. That's a given. And you guys, if you think you can take the drugs and not do those things, you're sadly mistaken. And again, how mistaken would you be? You'd be the fat motherfucker up on the big screen. Trust me on this. You'd be the guy that's taking gear and wasn't in shape, which is stupid. For $20 million, they will hold the money back. They will sue your ass. You didn't get in the shape for the movie. I put, I gave you a $15 million upfront payment. Are you taking a fucking piss? It's, it's, it's just not going to happen. So... You have to do the work. The other thing is, Steve, I would have said, with possibly the exception of test prop, all of these drugs are what we call cosmetic steroids. And what I mean by that, guys, is you need to be in shape. Test prop is probably the only one I would say, Steve, and even then it's a little somewhere in the middle, where it's a kind of base for the cycle. And that's, it's not the most thing. The master one is actually higher dosage that we're suggesting here. But a test is, you know, test should be, not should be, but it's one one of the rules, and I, I say that euphemistically, is test is the base of every cycle. And in reality, Brad's a man. Brad's trying to keep in shape. Brad's trying to retain muscle tissue. So test is going to be, it's going to help him while he's dieting, while he's doing those crazy cardios, while he's training while fasting. It's going to help him hold on to muscle tissue. But of the other drugs, and of course, they all have anabolic type effects, but they're also what we call cosmetic steroids. For example, Mastron, Hardener. Winstrom, a dryer, Primo, same again. All of these drugs were what you would see in a competition diet for a professional bodybuilder. Not obviously at the kind of levels that we're seeing in professional bodybuilding, thank goodness, absolutely no need. You don't need to do grams and grams a week if you're 180 pounds. You, you, you're looking good on, you don't need to have veins popping, you don't need to have, you know, to see split muscles popping, with, again, possibly one exception of one of the stars we're gonna cover. Uh, he doesn't need to look crazy. He just needs to look good. And it, as I said, again, the difficulty for any of these movie roles, any of these actors, is looking good for days at a time uh, and, 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 and not just an afternoon or an evening show of a bodybuilding competition. But then they're not in that kind of condition. So the dosages are different. The dosages are lower. But again, are we, do we think he used to is? Yeah, they, they all have. I would almost say with that exception, Steve, of the last 15 or 20 years of movies in this kind of genre with these kind of actors, shirt off, in shape or whatever else, maybe Robert De Niro, Raging Bull, you know, trying to put on 15 or 20 pounds of blubber. Uh, other, one of the other actors we're going to deal with, and I'm not going to mention his name or the movie role, but getting himself super lean, super skinny looking for one of his roles. And that would essentially just be starving himself, Steve. So... It's not an easy thing to do, and the drugs help, but they have to put in the work. I'll go to the last two drugs. Shall I touch on it, Steve, or do you want to 
you want to finish off on this particular one? No, go ahead. Give me your thoughts on those, and I'll right, kind so of follow up. Last two yeah. Primo, you've got there 750 milligrams a week. I'd, I'd agree with that. You could maybe play around with the dosage here, and you have to have some sort of AI. <laughs> Again, guys, that was kind of obvious. The guy wants to get lean. He wants to hold on to muscle tissue. What he doesn't want on screen, can you imagine it, Steve? A movie actor with bitch tits. A movie actor with gyno. In a, in a, in a, in a 15 to $20 million payday movie, three, $400 million, $500 million box office, one does not want to see a movie actor with gyno. It's just not a good look. So, guys, this is a thing that we talk about in, on the forums and whatever else. Uh, if you're the kind of guy... Is a perma bulker, your shirt's on all the time. The perma bulker is a big muscular fella, as I could probably put myself into that particular thing because I'm not trying to be a bodybuilder. But will I look good with my shirt off on the beach? I'll look big, I'll look muscular, but I won't necessarily look good. Uh, but if I my ass was up on that screen and I wanted to look good for a movie, trust me, I'd want to make sure they didn't have bitch tits and I'd want to make sure I was ripped the fuck. I'd be doing every single thing it was possible for me to do to do that kind of stuff. And this is what we're looking at here. So, guys, uh, I think that movie actors are not going to come out with one or two exceptions and talk about using drugs to get into shape. They'll kind of hint that they've had to do this stuff. And you'll see articles that in, in, in men's fitness and men's health and that kind of stuff talk about everything that needed to be done was done. And what they mean by that typically is an inference for performance-enhancing drugs to get into shape. But again, there's a huge motivation. They'll quite often get scripted by doctors. They'll have professional people, including athletes and uh, coaches that work with high-end athletes, making sure that they do this stuff properly. This is not some sort of steroid guru. This would be someone who knows their shit. If I'm paying you $10,000 a month or more, sometimes per week, to train my ass for a movie because it's worth me coughing up $100,000 or $200,000 or $300,000 for you to get me in shape, you need to know your shit inside out and if that means you have to go off and talk to a steroid expert or whatever else and come back that's what you do and that's how the reason so they go we, we make sure there's an ai in here we've got aromacin as the as the ai in here make sure i don't want you carrying uh water for example steve mentioned growth hormone earlier on i i don't want to have any water issues bloating i i want to be lean i want to be ripped so i want to make sure that i'm working with there's tricks we can do with dehydration, there's tricks we can do with water manipulation, maybe even diuretics against Steve. And again, one of the things, especially true what Steve touched on earlier on, with certain scenes with stuntmen and certain scenes with yourself, the obvious thing, and it's joked about with the, with the actors, is the close-up. 40, I mentioned it already, Steve. 50, 60-foot screen, I think one or two cinemas have got 100-foot screens. So your body, your chest, your arms, your shoulders is going to be up on the screen. And if you're not completely obliterating the, the camera angle, you're gonna your shoulder is gonna be ten foot wide, your chest is gonna be eight or nine feet wide on that big screen. If it's on a projector screen here, I've, I've got a projector here, Steve, of a hundred inch screen. It's gonna be like a forty inches. It's gonna be your chest. You need to be in shape, and you need to be ripped. And I don't want to see no blubber. I don't want to see no lava handles. I don't want to see no water retention. I don't want to have none of those issues. So. If we think this drugs is the stuff on point here, Steve, then 100% the fat burning thing is going to be 100% the fire oil drugs is going to be there, 100% the direct is going to be there because you need to make sure there's nothing going on. I don't want to be water retention because of a steroid I took. I don't want to have issues with blood pressure. I don't want my big moon face all bloated and red looking and, and whatever up on the screen, Steve. So trust me, guys, I would spend the money so make sure that my advice, I get Steve on my side. I say, Steve, I'm going to be doing a, a, a modeling thing. I'm going to be doing a filming thing. I need to look this way. We can't have me bloated. We can't have me moon face. We can't have me face all maroon looking. I need to look like this. I need to look as to physical way on the screen. And me and Steve would sit down for, I'm probably sure, we would probably talk about this for a couple of weeks, Steve, to get this stuff together. That's how these guys do this. Uh, and sometimes it's a studio, but as often as not, it's the man himself. If I'm giving him $15 million, give him a $5 million advance, spend a half a million dollars on a coach and meal prep. That's how it works. You're investing in yourself, Steve, 100%. What do you think? Look, at the end of the day, you know, you're getting paid this much money, right? But that it's not just the money that you're getting paid for the, your role. You're also worried about the future. Like if he went into Fight Club or Troy looking like shit, and not being in yeah. shape, 
and huffing and puffing during the scene, guess what's going to happen? He's not going to get movie roles in the future. There's plenty of other ripped, punky men in Southern California, okay, (laughs) that can take your place. Trust me. Oh, yeah. You've ever oh, been yeah. to Southern California? Everybody's in shape. It's not like Middle America where everyone's obese. Right? No, Today no. they're waiting tables. Tomorrow they're taking yeah. your fucking role in the movie away. Literally year off. round, you're on the beach. You're skating along the the sidewalk. You're bicycling. You're jogging. You're whatever, walking your dog. That's the Southern California lifestyle. It's that oh, Mediterranean yeah. climate. Climate, the best climate in the world, and there's plenty of people that move to California. And if you live in that type of environment, uh, we're doing this podcast right now. And it's funny because mobsters dressed up like a, like a, oh, uh, like a snowman, man. It's windy. It's yeah, raining. He's, he's, I guess he doesn't have a heater in his place, but he's dressed like a monk. He looks like a monk. Okay. So, I mean, if yeah, Monster lived in like Southern me. California, he oh, wouldn't be able man. to get away with dressing up like a monk. He would have to be get away with sandals and shorts year-round. So he's going to want to look good, right? Because you'd be walking yeah, down yeah. the street, passing some, some this <laughs> and you don't want her to walk by you and be like, Ugh, that guy looks oh, yeah. like shit, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. there's tons of other actors. So you're, you got that. You That's your motivation for looking good for yes. food. So you're going to run whatever you need to run to get ready for these movies. It wouldn't surprise me if these actors were running just as much gear as professional bodybuilders. It would not surprise me one bit. And another thing, they're paying, as Monster alluded to, they're paying coaches and trainers, not just to train them, but also to get their ass out of bed to go work out. So those trainers have a job and they're training. They also pay assistance. They handle their shit on the side so they can just focus 100%. On the, that's why Arnold was such a good movie star because Arnold already had that mentality of focusing yes. 100% on his objective and any other problem, okay, that occurs, he's got assistants that work for him that he pays 50000 60000 a year that take care of that shit for More him. Yeah, you don't that. worry about that shit. They take care of that shit. I'll tell you something, Steve, a quick aside. And this does, if Arnold's is actually a good example, I think The Expendables is a good example. I'll tell you what's happened. And I'd love to see Brad Pitt involved in maybe one of these kind of movies. Brad, if you go to the uh, making of uh, behind the scenes stuff for Predator, for example, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and a bunch of other guys, what they ended up doing was that Arnold had this thing where he would have a lorry, a truck, Contained a load of gym equipment comes up on the set, and I believe he had one where it, the gym equipment was in the container, and all the sides would open and everything else. So he has a gym on set in this. It's like forty thousand, fifty thousand dollars at the time, and they bring it on set. The other thing was they started winding each other up, as we say here in the UK, or jibbing each other. So with the boys being boys, it got to the point where they would give each other shit if they wasn't all training at six o'clock in the morning before the movie filming started. And this is in the jungle on set, right? So his thing was, he's brought that motivation in. And then the other guy says, well, I don't want Arnold to look better than me. So they start training. Then it was Arnold smoking cigars. I'll give a cigar or a bottle of whiskey or a bottle of brandy or whatever to the guys that train the hardest. So now you've got the TV film something and the actors all training at six o'clock in the morning on his $40,000, $50,000 container, container load of gym equipment. That That's slightly different. I'm 100%, guys, honestly, look, if, if you ever, 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 please God, one of you gets into this position, that would be great. That would be awesome. We want you to know 100%. $100,000 is not unheard of for coaching. Uh, and I'm talking about, like I said, $10,000 a week. And that was a few years ago. It's probably more than that now. 100% meal prep, if not even better, and again, not unusual, you've got one of those big $15,000, $20,000 mansions. Uh, sorry, $15,000, $20,000 square foot. 10, 10 million dollar 15 million dollar mansions you have more than one kitchen and so in this situation you would have someone cooking just for you the wife the kids everybody else doesn't have to eat like you but you do and i would have someone on point and as steve said and i've mentioned it a couple of times already if that means four o'clock in the morning training and in the first first meal straight after the gym if it means 12 hours on set and some, your chef comes with you 
and they're in the motorhome in your on set, your your caravan, your motorhome on set, then you bring the you bring that coach with you, you bring that that chef with you. Why the fuck not? Why would you not do that? Why would the TV, the TV, the film, whoever it is that's putting this production on wants that person there because they want you to be in shape. And it's something else that Steve's touched on already. And this is very true. If a person didn't get into shape for a movie that I've given them an advance on, that is going to be, you know, if I'm spending, as we've seen recently, Steve, hundreds of millions of dollars on a movie that might make one billion or even one and a half billion dollars. I want you to be 100% on side. And if you're not on side, trust me, producers, directors, the financiers, the studio, you become an, on, their, on their shit list, on their blacklist. You become a person, listen, we, we gave him a $10 million advance he couldn't get in a show. We gave him a $15 million advance and he wasn't training like he should. He started like, looking good, but by the end of the movie, he was shit. The day that we needed to be in shape, he wasn't in shape. He wasn't training. He was eating, he was drinking. He was doing stupid stuff. Trust me. You, it, 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 people think that the movie stuff is kind of like entertainment, and sometimes it's all fun and it's not fun and games. It's 50, 60, 100 million dollars minimum for the big movies 200, 300, 400 million dollars. That is a lot of fucking cash. That's that is a good turnover for a medium to large company, and it's for one fucking movie. And I'm giving you 50 million dollars and a percentage of the gross. It is very serious business, 100 percent. I'm telling Steve, I think Steve would apply. If, if we were ever in that position, if any other listeners ever in position, it is the opportunity of a fucking lifetime. Absolutely. Hair super tidy. Get your hair cut once a week. Skin, pedicures, the whole nine yards, Steve. Every single damn thing that needs to be done, you would do it. And as I touched on earlier on, that is kind of the attitude sometimes you guys want to bring, I know life gets in the way. I know there's stuff that blah, 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 excuses, excuses. I touched on it at the beginning in the pre-show with Steve. Said, Last, I'm wrapped up like a fucking Eskimo because the wind's blowing. We've had 122 mile an hour winds. I've been up after frigging night because the wind's been rattling my roof or whatever else. I went to the gym determined with my head down to get shit done. That's what it's like being a movie star. You might have had a, an argument with your wife. Still got to train at four o'clock in the morning. You might have done 12, 16 hour day on set, still got a train, still got a reach sign. You might be craving carbs like a motherfucker, still got a train fasting. This shit needs to be done. It is a business and you're a businessman. And like Steve says, great for one movie. What about great for movie number two? What about great for movie number three? Sometimes these guys are working back to back for years at a time. I, my, my TV and film, something I mentioned earlier, Nick McKinnis has done three years on the trot with one movie after another with no fucking break, Steve, straight from one movie into the next. That's when you're hot. That's when you're popular. That's how this works. So you don't get train six months, do the movie, six months off, train six months, do another movie. It doesn't always work like that. Sometimes when you're hot, you're hot, and it's one movie after another. Maybe you could do a dramatic role the next time around so the shirt stays on. But maybe there's a love scene. Maybe there's a scene where you're climbing that swimming pool. Oh, no, I've got to do three months more training again to get back in the shape. But that five minutes on screen, Steve, it is a serious, serious business. So we're doing these movie stars and we're talking about their shirts off and how they got in the shape of movies. But trust me, this is not lighthearted stuff. This is probably, in fact, arguably, Steve, it's more serious than any of the bodybuilders that we've ever done a hard, hardcore podcast on ever. Because these guys are earning multiples, multiples of any of the prize money, any of the bodybuilders from Mr. Olympia on down. If Mr. Olympia gets two fifty, three, four hundred thousand dollars, that's a week's wages for these guys. Trust me, it, it, I think the average for the for the movie stars that we're going to cover in the next few podcasts is probably ten million dollars. Ten million dollars, guys. Uh, a pro top pro Olympian. Jay Cutler, maybe $2 million a year. And that's, you know, that's because he's one of the best businessmen out there. These guys are earning $10 million for one movie, and they might do two movies a year while they're hot. Like top pro, pro, pro ball players, there's a time when you're hot and there's a time when you're not. So like Steve says, you think of the next role, you think of your career, you think about what you're going to do in a few years' time. You're not going to be having your shot off in every movie. You're not going to be... So you make the money while the money's there. You strike while the hot. So you, it's a serious, serious business. And there's a lot of serious graft, 
proper coaching, proper gurus, proper dietitians, proper chefs. It's all done. And it, like I said, it might mean four o'clock in the damn morning. The Rock that we're going to be doing in a, in a podcast soon, sometimes training after the filming and finishing in the gym at half past one in the morning, Steve. Has time with the family and then does an hour and a half training till half past one in the damn morning after a day on set. This is serious, serious stuff, guys. More, way more serious in its way for bigger runners, bigger risk, a far bigger gamble than any bodybuilder, arguably. What do you think, Steve? True or not true? Yeah, we're going to get into it for sure. And yeah, The Rock, we're going to do it upcoming. The Rock, we're also, the next side that we're going to do is your boy, Mobster, Hugh Jackman. You're, oh, yeah. You're a cousin. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody's everybody's my boy from Golden State. <laughs> he's a boy. He's Australian. <laughs> well, he's Christian. <laughs> Christian Bowie covering. He's British, and I didn't even know he was British. I had to be reminded. And The Rock. I mean, this guy's The Rock. Well, Hugh Jackman. You know, Hugh Jackman is is actually English, but he was born in Australia. Ah, there you go. You didn't know that? You haven't written the <laughs> no. article. You haven't no. read the article I sent you yet. No, I've read one at a time, man. One at a time. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you didn't even know that. So he is your he's your cousin. Oh, yeah. there you go. And then he was born in Australia. So it's all the same shit. It's all British Empire, bro. It's all the same shit. <laughs> America included. Serious, serious, guys. There's some, these are some of the biggest actors in the world. We are covering them on this podcast. We're telling you how to get in the shape. Apply the lessons you learn from this podcast. I'll run us into the uh, the bit we do at the end, as always, guys, the disclaimer. Remember, please note, we are not doctors, and the opinions that we offer in these podcasts are hours and hours alone. Our view, best and experience and views on the topic. A podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the first amendment.